Hey, Waz. Yep. Say this after me. <laughs> Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. <laughs> you know, you know what, man? After I want to say two seasons ago, when he first became a thing thing on the basketball internet, I'm like, guys, relax. What's the big deal? Blah blah blah. Another plotting big man. I get it. He's good at passing. Oh, the next Vlade, great, <laughs> right? And so was very dismissive of of my man Jokic and. You know, so I said about saying I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly until he earns that right. Um, and, man, he's earned it, bro. He earned it. Earned it. Unlike some other people I know. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding, everybody. Wow. If you're the Clippers, it is not a good morning. I'm Dave DeFore, joined by Wazni Lombre, as you just heard. We got Mo Dekeel in here, and we're going to make Andrew Schlecht actually wear two hats tonight. Uh, before we get into the show, don't miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this Game 7 that we all just watched uh, and the unprecedented sports season. Go subscribe now and save money. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding, and you can receive an all-access subscription. For just $1 a month. That's the pods. That's the writing. That's everything. The new briefs feature, which is fantastic. Having a lot of fun doing that. Again, theathletic.com slash daily ding to get a subscription for just $1 a month. I would normally say coming up on today's show, but listen, I just want to get straight to this. (laughs) In game seven of their second round playoff series, the Denver Nuggets defeat the LA Clippers 104 to 89. And, and guys, I think that the story of this game, you know, a lot of attention is going to be paid to Jamal Murray having 40. It was fantastic. This was one of the greatest Game 7 performances I've ever seen from Nikola Jokic, from, yeah. from anyone, but by Nikola Jokic. And if you didn't watch the game and you you might just look at the box score, you're going to see he went 5 of 13 and, you know, he grabbed a, a huge amount of boards and he got a triple-double with the assist. But I don't even think that assist number tells the whole story because he dissected the entire Los Angeles Clippers defense basically from the word go. He, he felt like, I know what you guys are trying to do and I can beat it whenever I want. The two-man game him and Murray played was just exquisite. It's just like these guys are just telepathic in how they were handling it. Murray, I guess he came out and said, game seven, I'm going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Dropped 20 points in the second quarter alone, which is a record since they've been keeping track of quarter scoring and um, game sevens. It was just an incredible performance by those two. They, They didn't just outplay Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They obliterated them. They ran them off the court. It wasn't even close. It was embarrassing. And You know, you you were talking about that two-man game. I've never seen uncontested pocket passes like that. I mean, he was like just finger-rolling passes right through Trez and Lou. the most comfortable we've ever seen him. Like this was – and this is with double teams coming on. This is with the – supposed to be the most feared defense we were going to be seeing all year and things like that. And he was just chilling. I mean, every time a double came, the 
Nuggets had the perfect cut. It opened up either a pass to the cutter or it opened up a three on the weak side. I mean, he was just relaxed the entire time. He never felt them. It was, I mean, you guys saw the last one where Murray got the foul, so there's no real assist. But when he just threw it over the back of his head, like, come, he's just, he's just playing with them at that point. Like, he's just chilling. Like, it's not even a thing. Uh, this is a, it was a phenomenal imp- uh, performance. From Jokic, like just just yeah. watching him, just kind of control every level of it, and he even, I mean, I texted Waz at one point said he's only doing this with six shots at one point, like that was in like the third quarter, like just, I mean, just thoroughly controlled every aspect of the game offensively for the Nuggets. Andrew, have you ever seen a, a team this young as unbothered by by a, a, a what should have been a playoff favorite? No, I mean, honestly, it makes you wonder a little bit if this is like maybe this is the bubble effect because before the playoffs started, we're like, okay, how is the bubble going to affect the playoffs? Well, maybe this is one way that it's doing it because you see that younger players we we saw even uh, in the game before Tyler Hero hitting hitting huge shots. Like, is this part of the bubble effect? Like, are these guys doing this in front of 18,000 people? Uh, I don't know, but I also know that I saw a team look just like the Clippers did for two years in Oklahoma City, walk in entitled, see the name on the back of their jersey and play a certain way and think that they've had it already delivered to them. And so that the Clippers played just like the Thunder did. They played just like the Thunder did. Let me go on a quick rant because you said the magic word there that's going to trigger me. It's, it's, it's entitled, right? And this is something mm. that, Honestly, I felt the Clippers kind of had this arrogance and this entitlement all year long. You know, we know, listen, we know the story that they didn't have Paul George at the start of the season, missed a ton of games, Kawhi Leonard load management. They barely had their roster fully together and and things like that. But every time they were asked about it, it's not a big deal. We're not worried about it. We're not concerned about yeah. it. We we got perfect chemistry. We're fine. We're just going to roll out the balls. We have the most talent. And they just skipped over the one important thing, which is you have to develop on-court chemistry and continuity. You mm-hmm. guys have to know each other. Here's the thing about the Nuggets. They know where to go when Jokic is double teamed. Like he, they know where he's going to pass. They know they're going to get the pass oh, if he's there. They know, you know, Murray knows where he needs to move. They know how they're going to operate in the two man game. That's not something that they just kind of, oh, we can do this. It's developed over years, you know, and they've, this is where the regular season matters and it plays a role into it. And their arrogance and their hubris is really what's come back to bite them in the ass. Well, here's the, here's the bigger thing though. You know, we, we've been hammering Budenholzer for not adjusting. Well, Doc didn't adjust at all. I mean, just got cooked with his guys. I mean, he stuck to his guys, but they got cooked and they continuously got cooked. And this continued a trend that has persisted throughout the entire season for them, where late in games, typically around the five minute mark of that third quarter, the wheels start to fall off defensively. And if those guys hit shots, they win. And if they don't, they lose. And, and, you know, we talk about it being a make or miss league, but they are not stopping the other team from scoring late in games. And and instead of trying to find a way to solve that issue, they just, you know, kept rolling the ball out and didn't change anything. You know, to a certain extent, I, I can't blame Doc for playing his guys, right? Like for playing specifically Lou Williams and Montrez. Lou Will is a leader on the team. 
Um, you guys will remember the Lakers series against Houston where D'Antoni can't just bench Russell Westbrook. And not to say that Lou Will is of the stature of Russell Westbrook on the Clippers, but Doc can't just bench him. He can't just bench Montrez. These guys have been at the focal point of what they did all season long. So to a certain extent, I can understand that. But I just think they never really adjusted what they wanted to do. I think at the very end, desperation-wise, they realized they wanted to score and they finally went small. I thought there was a period between the second and third, in the second quarter, excuse me, when they went small finally, they played the Marcus Morris, Jermichael Green, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Pat Beverly lineup, and you saw them get three straight positions, possessions at the rim. Jokic doesn't want to play in space. They never tried. They, that's what I think the key to this series is. They never made Jokic uncomfortable in any sense, like on no. offense or defense. Look at how Not they th- look at how they brought the double. They it's, always let him see the double coming, coming and that's death, man. And again, you know, on defense, he doesn't want to play in space, Dave. So exactly. they never made him play in space. They played Zuba Trez the whole series. It's like if you're going to be sending these soft doubles anyway, you're not going to play him straight up. You're, sit, you're putting two on the ball anyway. Why not on the other end make him uncomfortable? They could have put Paul George on him that. defensively, to be they honest with you. To it. And, you know, they well, it was like one possession. I think PG got switched on to him and, you know, was able to use his length. And, and Paul George is, you know, he's pretty stout was able to give him a little bit of trouble, but it didn't matter because the second they brought that second defender, all of a sudden, Jokic is a surgeon. And he's just opened him right yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, they, it it just didn't look right across the board. From everything you guys, you're nailing it correctly, Was in the sense of they never made Jokic you know, have to really defend. They never made Michael Porter Jr. have to defend when he was on the court. Like, they just mm-hmm. didn't attack, you know? And I'm not a big fan of matchup hunting and things like that, but there are... They run enough pick and rolls where they should be able to get those guys involved in the pick and roll so they can attack them. And it just over and over and over again, they weren't able to to really get into that. And it was it was kind of sad. You know, they went up three one. And really, when you looked at it, you thought about it in game five up 15. You're like, this thing's over. OK, game six, this thing's over. And it just every time second half, they melt. They fall apart. I mean, they only scored 33 points in the second half of this game. Well, Mo, you know, uh, from Jovan Buha, he, he just tweeted this out uh, from Lou Williams. A lot of the issues that we ran into, talent bail, bailed us out. Chemistry didn't. We're a highly talented group, and we just came up short. Chemistry is something you you have to build. And this was a concern for the Clippers coming into the playoffs. Their main guys barely played together. I mean, PG missed a bunch of time at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard in and out of the lineup. And then once they got to the bubble, you know, they didn't have Trez until the playoffs. You know, they didn't have Lou for a long, a long period of it. Uh, Shamit has had injury issues. So I guess to a certain degree, we should all be fairly unsurprised that they were having chemistry problems. No, 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 Dave. But this is the thing, though. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. Because... The three of us were in, and I said this on Hoops Adjacent um, earlier today, and I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. It's, it's, people need to remember this. We were there in Vegas when Kawhi announced and they did the trade for Paul George. Mm-hmm. And it collectively, and to a man, everybody we spoke to was in agreement that, oh my God, the Clippers 
are amazing. The talent they've amassed is crazy. The depth is going to be out of this world. They're going to beat the brakes out off of people. The Lakers, ew. <laughs> ew. Danny Green, ew. You know, they, they poo-pooed every single thing the Lakers did. Meanwhile, it's like, well, the Lakers got AD. (laughs) You know, the Lakers just... They got a better player. The Lakers just brought AD and LeBron James together. Yes, yes, Avery Bradley isn't a sexy name. Yes, he had a bad season with the Clippers last year. But I think a lot of times when people forget about specifically playoff basketball, like Rajon Rondo is not going to be asked to play 42 minutes and orchestrate a competent offense for 42 minutes. He's going to have to do it for maybe eight minutes a game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the rest of that game, the other 40 minutes, LeBron James is con- is controlling that. So whether it be Avery Bradley, Danny Green, KCP, these guys only have to shoulder but so much of a burden by the nature of how LeBron James plays, man. Like, he's the center of that team's universe, and you guys are just going to have to sort of do your parts and spurts. And when you do it, great, we're going to win. When you don't, we might lose, right? But the Clippers is like, y- you never had a playmaker, and you never had any interior defense. Now, granted, Zub, I'm not going to lie, in the, the, the bubble, he developed into quite the interior defender. They defended the hell out of teams with Zub on the court, and I think he deserves credit for that. But he was he played like 20-something minutes all season. He was never going to be a high-minute guy for them. Played 14 so they tonight. Were, yeah, yes, 14. 14 minutes tonight. So, and and again, and and I feel like I'm taking up a lot of the air here, but I, but I it's just important because I was I was confused by it. And I remember I was confused by the Lakers skepticism and the Clippers just they're going to do it no matter what from the smartest people who we know in this in this stuff, right? You know, and, you know and, that first season or the first month of the season was instructive to me. Um the the Clippers have acted all year, like they're the this is the third year of a title run. And the Lakers did not have that. You know, we we I think talked about it quite a bit on Buds. I mean, their intention was to be the best team in the league if they could. Yep. And they were the one seed and they were defending. And I mean everybody, every single person to a man, even LeBron, like wasn't it this wasn't Cleveland LeBron on defense. It goes to two things. Like one, you know, with the Clippers, the the whole thought all year was they're gonna be able to flip the switch. And the honest truth is you can't flip the switch if you've never been there. And that's the team. That team has never played together until this season. And you can't just have this expectation of we're going to be able to flip the switch when the playoffs come. And that's why you saw LeBron kind of really give a whole ton more effort this regular season than we've seen in, what, six years? I mean, since probably 2013. No, I think that first year in Cleveland, there was a lot. You you think so? I, I think so. Okay, but I you think know, so. But, but even then, <laughs> in the regular season or the playoffs, Dave? I mean, there was there was more than what we saw the, okay, the last few okay years the last few the last season in Cleveland was that was senioritis that yeah. was yeah <laughs> no I mean that was bad because he just wasn't even bothering he would just look at the rotations no. and tell everybody going like <laughs> he was working yeah, on a script know, this is this is <laughs> yeah bad. but overall like this is just. The other thing too with the Clippers and 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 Waz, you can agree to this because you were you were here for it and we've talked about it before, right? All last season, this was a blue collar team. This team yeah. was grinding out wins. And granted, they barely got to the eight seed and and things like that. They gave the the Warriors a bit of a run in the first round and things like that, and everybody was mm-hmm. super excited. And then they did a complete one eighty when they got 
Kawhi and Paul George, right? And and now mm-hmm. it's a situation where Kawhi and Paul George have to create the culture. It's not a situation where Kawhi is going to Toronto where the culture is already set. He just needs to be the missing piece that they've they never had. This is one where he has to create that. And they start doing the whole thing. We're still the blue collar team. You remember the phrase was street lights over spotlight? Yes. You know, and yes, and, and, yes, and, and, yes. and what was it like earned earned not given or something like that? Um, you yep. know, these, yep. they had these phrases, but they were the exact opposite. And I remember just tell, they were the, yeah, I remember team. just turning they to were. Waz half the time going like, this isn't street lights over spot. This is the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. This is how Palmer they, should make Paul George go around and personally take down all of those billboards. <laughs> now, <laughs> look, uh, we, I think we've talked enough about the Clippers for right now. I want to talk about the Nuggets because look, they won this series. It's not yep. just that the Clippers collapsed. The Nuggets took advantage of of their mistakes. Again, they 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 loaded their lineup to take advantage of that awful end of game defense. I mean, that's why you saw those Michael Porter minutes that started around the the end of the third. Because if he gets hot, that's the time they want him to get hot when they're out there not defending. They're trying to give them the best chance to to win. But you know, this team really did flip a switch at the end of that Utah series once they got Gary Harris back. I, I don't know if there's been a guy who has been more important to his team than Gary Harris. They they defend like a totally different team. As a non-star role player, he's been out of this world. Uh, the defense, yeah, the way he's defended, because let's face it, Denver as a unit is a pretty soft defense, right? Like when you take them at their individual parts, yes, um, you know, Paul Millsap has been an all NBA level defensive player. His basically his whole career, but he's 35 now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we love we, we we love what um Jesus, I'm drawing a blank on Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, yes. And we love what Jeremy Grant is able to do, uh, both individual defense and as a help defender. But nobody thinks Jamal Murray is anybody's version of Gary Payton. Um, and Nikola Jokic, we, we've said this from the very beginning, defense is his Achilles heel. He doesn't like to move. Um, he doesn't like to play uh, away from the basket. Like, that's just what it is. But Gary Harris getting in there, they just take on a different mentality when he's playing on defense. He's flying around. He's hitting the passing lanes. He's getting in guys' shirts, you know, at the point of attack. He's just a, a different animal that they don't possess anywhere else. So, of course, you have to give give props to what he's doing. And, again, the two young guys, I, I remember uh, Amin had filled in for DA on Hoops at Jason, and we talked about Murray. It was very early on in the Utah series, and it was like, man, is Murray going to turn himself into an offensive player on the level of the Dame Lillards, on the level of, you know, the Steph Currys? And obviously that's, that's a lofty standard, but we felt like he was so far away from that. And I think in the playoffs, the first two rounds, he's proven, man, in a playoff series, this guy is money in the bank. I mean, this is his coming out yeah. party. I mean, plain yep. and simple, right? Like, this is something we've, you know, we talked about on Nerd or Dave, right? Like, this was a team that had to prove mm-hmm. something to us, right? And, you yep, know, that's and, right. and you know what? They sure as hell have now. Where I ain't saying anything about I, them again. <laughs> I'll never talk about Jamal Murray and his uh, low floor again. Because the ceiling is so incredible. Like, I mean, he's a guy that if he has a bad game, it's like nine points. But the good games, and and listen, he's doing this in the playoffs. So at a certain point, I just needed to say, listen, you can win a title with a guy like this. Doesn't matter if he has a bunch of seven or eight point games in the regular season. Because 
he has played his ass off in this playoffs. Now, the hope is going into the Western Conference, they don't have to get down 3-1 before they yeah, can that's, <laughs> you know, start doing stuff. Maybe they should just the, – the biggest thing Mike Malone has to be doing right now is telling the guys, we're down 3-1. We're down 3-1. Going into game one, he has to be like, we're already down 3-1, guys. I'm just telling you. And, and try to get them going. But, you know, I also want to touch on another thing because you brought it up, Dave. Gary Harris was has also been phenomenal. You know, and has raised the level of this team in terms of just the IQ. I mean, his his cutting is really something that gets me all excited, to be honest with you, when I see him make the cuts. Because he's, he's right there. It opens the door for Jokic. It creates opportunities for them. Again, him back was huge. And I think both of you guys touched on it. And it just adds another a guy that can actually defend for this team. And it really makes a difference. I mean, overall, for the Nuggets, this is a phenomenal experience. I mean, they've been through so many elimination games. They're... I mean, the last two, every playoff series they've been in the last two years has gone to seven. Like, they're just comfortable at this point now. Like, they're proven. All right, let's talk coaching because I, Mike Malone clearly outcoached Doc in this series. Doc, Doc really shot this team in the foot. You know, it's interesting, Dave. I don't know that Mike Malone outcoached him because I don't know that he was asked to do anything that Denver just doesn't hasn't been doing for two and two or three years now. They never had to get out of their stuff. So I and and you could say that well we could say that Doc as a coach he's supposed to try to make that the case and he never achieved that. But I don't know that Mike Malone was making these amazing adjustments on Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or whatever the case may be. I feel like these guys just didn't play, man. I I think where where I'm with you was is Mike Malone didn't have to do much, but I think Doc got complacent. I think they were up 3-1, even after they lost Game 5, felt like it's fine. We're we're, going to get the next one. I mean, we all thought it. I didn't think this thing was going 7 after Game 5. I was like, no, they're going to win Game 6. You know, I'm sorry, Denver. I won't do that again, I promise. Uh, But, you know, this is... This is the thing where I just felt like he kind of felt like he didn't have to make any changes and things like that. And then, you know, you're watch, I'm watching game six and I'm like, you have Landry Shamit, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell on the court at the same time. Are you thinking there's going to be any sort of defense being played? You know, this is this is the stuff where I think Doc kind of let the team down was his rotations. I think he kind of got complacent. And then in game seven, he didn't really change anything until it was too late or, or when he started to go small. Why didn't he do that in the third quarter? Yeah, I, I'm going to push back on on Malone not doing much. If you look at how he moved the rotations around, okay. he actually did a really good job of personnel management in this series. That's no small thing. Yeah, and on the other side, that that that's what I think where people are going to get at Doc. I think it's going to be his rotations. Um, it's going to be sticking with Trez. It's going to be never trying to go small and basically – attack Jokic with the five out it's it's essentially like it's going to be that he never tried anything um I remember you know if if you guys you guys remember last year's NBA finals when Nick Nurse is throwing out a box in one right Mm -hmm. like it's just the idea of like you have to try you have to be willing to be pliable flexible in these games because just staying with something that's getting you killed is gonna get you killed but the problem with that was is they never had continuity all year long for that for Doc to know mm. what he could throw at these guys and what he couldn't. Right. Nick Nurse at least right. knew his team well enough that hey, I don't know, man. 
I think it's pretty easy to see that Lou and Trez are just getting no, no, no. absolutely just burnt to a crisp in the pick and roll and, and to make a change. I'm with there. you on that. And they stopped running the pick and roll really in games five and six, which is really the bread and butter for Trez and, and Lou. You know, and that's where they can kind of make up the fact that they're getting burnt so badly. This isn't new, Dave, that they're those two are terrible on defense. <laughs> right, right. I've seen this all yeah. year. Like this isn't this isn't yeah. this is stuff I've been screaming about since December. You yeah. know, I thought this stat was interesting. So there's only 13 three one comebacks in NBA playoff history. Doc Rivers has been the losing coach for three of them. <laughs> yes. Which one's worse, guys? Losing to Houston three one or or this one? <laughs> Um, uh, I, I don't know. Go with Houston because of Game Six yeah. and the fact that it was Josh Smith and Corey Brewer. <laughs> like, yeah, at least this one it was like, Jokic that's, and Murray. That's just rude. That is just yeah. that is just the mean basketball god if there is one, man. That like because you got to be watching that. Like, no, our defense is designed to 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 allow this. And Corey Brewer is just wetting three, uh, pull up trays on your head top. No, 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 no. That's more painful, man. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah. Everybody, hydrate your body right. Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get the energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. There was also a game one earlier tonight. Uh, That one was also kind of crazy. The Miami Heat defeat the Boston Celtics 117 to 114 in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, This one went to overtime uh, on what I thought. I want to start with this call at the end of regulation. Um, Not a good call. And and Mo, listen, we don't need another referee rant, but it's a tough call to make, I think, as a referee. Which call are you talking about? I'm talking about the Marcus Smart flop. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm I'm still high on the Clipper thing. You guys got to run me back here a little bit. No, 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 no. But I got this, Dave. No, because... 
And here's the thing, though. Um, and 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 I and I tweeted about this, Dave. I, I said that the refs need to treat. They they need to stop giving Marcus Smart the benefit of the oh doubt, the flop right? mm-hmm. like. But yeah, yes, <laughs> when when you when you see Marcus Smart fall on the floor, if you don't actually see it, actually definitely see it, don't trust it like you do with ninety nine point nine nine percent of the players in the NBA. If it's Marcus Smart involved, he does not, he has not earned the benefit of the doubt. I'm yeah. sorry, man. You got to treat that dude the way the cops treat black people. Suspicious. <laughs> That's a tough one to follow up there, was, But yes, what what, what, what I said, almost everything. <laughs> the, it was it was just such a Celtics Marcus Smart ending, though. Was it not? Like, yeah. it was just it, fitting it was. the way this, this whole playoffs has gone. Well, and here's the thing. Fitting. So Jimmy Butler hits a game winner. Yeah. And then it gets robbed by a, a Marcus Smart flop. They hit the free throw. We get to overtime. And what happens? Jimmy Butler has to hit another game okay, winner before and we one. That, before we get into that, <laughs> here's, the, here's my thing about Boston. Okay. Marcus Smart tricked the refs into another call. Game's tied now. And really, you're just going to let Jason Tatum stand there and dribble, dribble, dribble. How much? I mean, there was like, it, it, he, he just takes a terrible. Yeah. There were 22, 22 seconds, seconds on the, on the clock. clock. With yeah. a tie Run game, something movement I, have yeah. something. Don't just stand well, they, in the same so, place the entire time. The issue, though, tie game, tie game. You'd rather go to overtime, take your chances there, or take the take the shot at the buzzer. You don't want to give I, I, Jimmy Butler another I get, shot. I get all to that, but at the same out. time, too, that's the best look you can get. Five feet off the three point line. You got to do something a little also, more than that, man. I mean, there's. I, I understand it, and I know the the strategy behind everything with that. But you got to get something better. Get something going to the rim at least. Put the pressure on the refs to call the foul or something like that. Like that was just a terrible shot. Also, Derrick right, Jones no. was on Kemba Walker isolated first, and to me, I, I'd probably rather Kemba against the Kemba guy. wasn't getting past anyone say, in Kemba this game. Kemba couldn't get around anybody. It was rough. But he was getting to a step back though, and he did make a couple of those big step backs down the stretch. That's what I'm saying. Like. Marcus Smart took a 35 foot. I mean, excuse me. Uh, Jason Tatum took a 35 footer. That just can't be your answer. That like I, I'm sorry. Like I, I don't understand that one. Where it's like, bro, you either get something rolling to the rim or you do nothing at all, Tatum. The the whole step back with a guy's draped all over you. I, I just don't understand that as that being the answer. So the the rest of this game actually happened, and, and I thought Jason Tatum was fantastic. Uh, Jimmy Butler, yeah. Hell yeah. Jimmy Butler had a lot of trouble offensively when Tatum was guarding him. Yep. And there were times where I thought Boston let that matchup get away from them too easily. They they needed Tatum to stay on Butler. I agree. There were time, man. He had a couple of plays where Jimmy drove to the hoop, tried to take a little sort of falling away jumper, and Tatum got his fingers on up on the shot. Mm-hmm. Like he was draped all over Jimmy. I loved what he was doing, and I think. You know, the Celtics took control. They have an 11-point lead, late third, early fourth, um, going into the fourth. And Miami just scores a bunch of buckets in transition and semi-transition. They get a three out of an ATO, and voila, they're back in the game. I think if you're the Celtics, if you want to take any positives out of this, when you, were, when you got them to play in the half court and mm-hmm. not genius, Spo, probably the best coach left in the playoffs, drawing up – you know, a, a beautiful play for them. You were 
pretty decent in your half court stuff. And I think if you're the Celtics, you need to get Miami to play in the half court. Be like, all right, you guys got to score against our set based our set defense if you're going to beat us. And I think you'll be fine outside of that. They controlled most of this game. Well, and the other thing is that when Daniel Tice was out there, they were winning this game. And Tice fouling out is is probably why Miami wound up winning. I mean, Tice is huge for Boston's but defense. But I think that's part of it, too, is that Miami has a guy in Jimmy Butler who draws fouls. He's, you're going to end up having a foul, bam, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the pressure. and That's the things that Tice is going to have to do a better job of. You know, I think, Waz, to your point, too, about Miami, it all started on the defensive end for them. You know, they're the ones that are forcing – Tough misses and things yep, like they're that. They're getting the stops and, and, and then they're getting and, out and to transition. get out and yep. transition and things like that. It wasn't just you know Boston's a better half court team than they are, but you know it doesn't mean they can't get those stops. Like they're a solid defensive yep. team and they were doing a great job rotating out of the uh, double teams when they were trapping and things like that. They were kind of all over the place, getting multiple efforts. And once they got the rebound, they're automatically looking up. I mean, there was two or three different passes from Hero in transition where he's just hitting the guy right away who's already streaking. Like they're, that's part of what, what did it for Miami. And this was kind of a Miami-like game for them. This is kind of the way the Heat's going to win a lot of these games in this series. And to your point, Dave, about Jimmy Butler, the other thing about Jimmy is Jimmy doesn't really go off that much until the fourth or overtime. Right, like right. He's, he's coasting because coasting he doesn't have to put on. He's trying to get the other guys going. He'll shoot when he has to shoot. He'll take the shots he's got to take if they're open and things like that. Or or he feels like the team's in trouble and it's slipping away from him. But fourth quarter and overtime, it's like my man Brett Brown said, that's James. Yeah. But, you know, Miami had 48 points in the paint. And and again, this is goes back to the importance of Tice. You know, anytime they were playing without Tice, it was just they were getting to the basket. And even when he was out there, it was tough for him. You know, the back cuts and the back screens are tough. But what Boston is fantastic at is defending the three-point line. Miami was 16 of 36. They shot 45% from three, basically, in this game. And that's not going to get it done for Boston. That's what... I think they'll clean that up. But I though. think that's with Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson in foul trouble and not really getting into the flow of the game either. You know, and I think that's part of it too, is that they can still even probably shoot it a little bit better than that because he's only two for seven just because he never really was able to find a flow. Only got 17 minutes, barely played in the first half. So I think there's going to be issues. I, this thing's far from over. This thing's going to be a slug match, yeah. guys. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. sorry. Like, I know some people are, are, are of a different persuasion of that, but this thing. At minimum, is going six with with just battles. Like, buckle up, man. For each of these games, get ready. Yeah. All right. Do do we want to wrap this up with with a couple of predictions? I know we're going to have a couple of t- days with no games. Uh, the Western Conference Finals isn't going to start until Friday. Friday. Which I'm um, happy about. Yeah. <laughs> game oh. two. Game two in the East is Thursday. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure the Celtics are going to take game two. What about you guys? Um, yeah, before I give my prediction, I want to give a quick shout-out to Tyler Hero. Um, just some huge three-pointers made. Um, the ATO that Spo drew up where he catches it at the top of the key and just – it was just like – first of all, the fact that they're drawing, drawing up plays for a rookie is just amazing, and he just splashes it. And then – the three where he just basically that's a that's a 
just an impossible shot to make. He makes that, yeah. and that sets up the Jimmy game winner. Just wanted to give a shout out to Hero just How, for a young guy to be doing that. In this, How about a rookie playing forty minutes it's, in it's, the conference it's, finals? It's, it's it's beyond. He's he's got cojones, like my man Tim McMahon would say that his cojones factor is just <laughs> it's out of here. Yeah. Um. But One yeah, just away I, from a triple double too. Yeah. He's 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 doing it all. Um, but yeah, as far as the series, I still I still like Boston in this series. I think they're going to be able to clean up the three point stuff. Um, Brad Stevens called them the Golden State um, type offense of the East because of what they do off the ball and all of the ball movement and ball screens to free up their shooters. As we've seen a bunch of times with Golden State in the postseason, people were able to stop a lot of that by just being smarter about their switches on the perimeter. I think particularly with Hero and Robinson, they'll clean that stuff up. Um, but I still think it's a seven-game series. I just think defensively, they'll be able. The, the Celtics will be able to get, grind out enough stops to beat this team. Um, and as far as the Western Conference Finals, I picked the Lakers to win the championship before the season started. I'm starting to feel smarter and smarter by the day, y'all. Wow, it's, it's, as if Wise um, didn't so- need a bigger head. <laughs> and so I think yeah, the Lakers will get those guys out of there in six. Lakers in six. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think Boston will win game two. I, they they kind of let Jay Crowder beat them tonight as well. Mm-hmm. It was five of nine from three. I think they were but living you do that, with those right? threes. Yeah, you live yeah. and you die by that, and they died tonight. Also, did did we mention the lefty block? By oh, God, Bam? we totally have oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to that point. <laughs> we forget the, my the most, we buried oh the my lead. God, most amazing Well, play. there were so... Yeah, so this game had so many twists and turns, and... and we were like Jimmy Butler literally hit two game winning shots in this in this game, and yet the biggest play was Bam Adebayo's game winning block on on the Jason Tatum dunk attempt. If he is a half a second late on that, it's a it's a foul. It's an and one, and the and the Celtics take the game. Yeah, just incredible game. How hard uh, is that to do with your offhand? Like block that with your off. His arm bent in a way I didn't know it would. Like you know, when you look at the replay and it's like, oh, I'm just hurting my wrist trying to bend it that way. Like, okay. it, I mean, to, to be able to do that, and and on Tatum, who's explosive, this isn't like uh, Kemba trying to do it or something like that. This is a a high flyer here. Like that was just an impressive block. But to your question, Dave, I think Boston will win Game Two. I think, you know, they'll clean up some stuff. I don't think Kemba's going one for nine from three again. I think they'll get a overall just a better defensive game. I don't think Tice will foul out. I think it'll be, uh, like I said, a slug match. It's going to be Boston wins game two. Western Conference Finals, I'm still picking the Lakers. Unless the Nuggets go down 3-1. Yeah. What do you got in the West? Yeah, I've, I can see Dion holding that trophy already, guys. I just... <laughs> Here's the issue. The issue. They can't get up 3-1 on no, the No, no, no. If, if, right? if they're up 2-1 and they're winning going into the fourth quarter, let the series Vogel Vo- 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 has to bench LeBron and AD. He has to pull everybody. I want to see JR. I want to see Dion. I want to see... Uh, Taylor Horton Thor- Tucker. There we go. It took, it took Tucker, a minute yeah. to figure out his full name. I want JaVale and Dwight Howard, and I want them shooting three. That should be Vogel's plan if they're up 2-1 in game four and up big. They got to let the Nuggets get back in. Uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Man, I'm really pumped that Denver made the conference finals. Pretty awesome.
That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about all the other basketball shows. I have a feeling the next couple days are just going to be full of extremely great podcasts as we're gearing up, looking ahead to the finals, looking at these conference finals. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you go and subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber, don't forget, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. A buck a month. That is just insane. For Mo, for Waz, for Andrew Schlecht, uh, I'm Dave DeFore. Thank you guys for waking up with us. And uh, how about all you guys in unison? Take us out of here. Ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding dongs. <laughs> <laughs> there was no way that Especially was Especially because Waz work. got ding dong in his whole, his whole little <laughs> phrase. <laughs> hey, the people want it.